Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, the bank built and supported by industry super funds. Ever wondered about getting a better deal on your home loan? Well, it might be time to get in touch with MeBank. Whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a loan that's right for you with competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So stop wondering and start saving. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now here's the show. I was very cognizant of what I was doing and very aware of what I was trying to achieve. I did that without any referrals from, or very few referrals from within the bank. And they asked me one day why, and I said, because I live or die on my own efforts. Hey! This is Property Invest Story, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum, and in this episode, we're speaking with Kevin Lee. We will follow his road to becoming a property investor, rife with horror stories of greasy motorbikes and years of rebuilding. As a successful advisor with years of finance experience under his belt, he will share why he doesn't agree with negative gearing and why property is greater than shares. Lee's business, Smart Property Advisor, helps people to achieve their goals and sets them on the right path towards their own successful property investment ventures. I I help people to achieve their dreams or their goals as far as being a property investor is concerned. So my client base, my ideal client if you like, other people who want to start but don't know who to trust, don't know where where to go for knowledge. Um, so especially the trust factor is a big one. You know, the whole property investment field or sector is filled with spivs and spruikers and crooks and um, charlatans. And I set Smart Property Advisor up to be able to provide, you know, property advice they could trust. Yeah, and that's that's what makes you stand out as well too because, you know, it's so hard to find great trustworthy advisors to be able to guide people on the journey because property investing itself is a personal journey and also a, a very big investment on a lot of behalf to be able to get there too. And it's also a long process so you want to be there in for the long haul. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's, a, um, it's, it's such an important part of somebody's life if they choose to, to take that next step. They might have bought their own home you know, 5, 10, 20 years ago they might be at a certain age group uh, or in that certain age group where they need to think about their future. And if they don't get the education or have somebody holding their hand, they can make such financially fatal mistakes that it's it's just some of the people I've had to help along the way, um, it's pretty tragic. Lee says that his passion for finance and investments gave him the drive to embark on his business venture in recent years creating a successful franchise from his experience in the finance sector. 
it's my passion and it's what gets me up every morning. Doing a little bit of the journey, I, I started out as a retail uh, trainee, retail management for a long, long time, jumped across to the finance sector probably 23, 24 years ago uh, with a major four, one of the big four banks. Found my why while I was in a bank. That's pretty hard to even imagine that somebody could find their why working for a bank, but I did. And I was able to take that um, that knowledge and that expertise that I'd created and, and leave that bank 18 years ago and, and uh, craft a, uh, a very successful franchise in the finance world. Fantastic. And the offshoot of that became Smart Property Advisor about five years ago, four and a half years ago. As an investor, Lee doesn't agree with negatively geared investing as he believes it is more important to have an income and support yourself rather than support your tenants' lifestyles. I don't think negative gearing is the smartest thing that most people can actually do. And I explain negative gearing as pretty much supporting your tenant's lifestyle because that's what you do. Mm. You know, you put your hand in your pocket on a monthly basis to support your tenant's lifestyle <clears throat> rather than your own. And when you think about it, that's the life of most negatively geared investors. And I'd probably take that a next step and say it might also be one of the reasons that most negatively geared investors stop at one or two properties. So they're um, they're punting on the future capital growth rather than the future income. And when I'm talking to clients, I ask this simple question. So when you go to the whichever grocery store you do your shopping at on a weekly or whenever basis, the girl at the checkout, I usually say the checkout chick, but that's a bit yeah, <laughs> but having an ex-retail background, I can say because it it's not. Um, the checkout chick doesn't say, um, Mr. Shum, could you give me some of your capital growth to pay for that trolley full of goods? They ask for some of your income. Mm, mm. And most people are convinced or, or seduced or um, incorrectly advised that they should be investing for capital growth because that's the number one name of the game when in fact it isn't. We live off income now and we live off income when we retire and that's the retirement phase that is the scariest bit because right now we're talking, you know, 2017, only 6% of retirees in Australia are self-funded. The other 94% rely on either the full or part age pension to survive. Growing up, Lee didn't learn about property investing from his parents as they were from a generation which wasn't aware of those strategies. However, Lee says that he learned from mistakes by becoming employed at ANZ and was able to transfer his people skills across to that industry. So I grew up in Westmead, you know, which is a, um, a little suburb of Parramatta, so Western Suburbs kid. I grew up in a housing commission or ex-housing commission home that my parents bought, worked hard to uh, pay off. And I uh, went to Parramatta Marist out there at uh, Westmead as well. My dad worked really hard um, as a self-employed wall and floor tiler. In the last few years, I've reflected back to find out why I actually have been able to achieve what I've done. And I put a lot of credit back onto what I guess he did. And, and without knowing, I sort of was able to copy his some of his skills, I guess. Um, my parents were just typical, you know, 1950s and 1960s parents who didn't know anything about property, didn't know anything about investing. All they knew was that they buy a place and pay it off over the 20 or 30 years that the bank said so, if they lasted that long. And unfortunately, both my parents died at fairly early ages, so they never got to pay off their home. 
um, we didn't know much about property when that happened and we sold it probably six to eight months after my dad passed away. And we sold that house for $57,000. That would have been in 1979. That house, if we owned it today, even though it's still the same three-bedroom ex-housing commission house, it would sell for $1.5 million. Ouch. <laughs> so there's been capital growth, which is not deserved by anybody that's been living in the house or owned it because it's just happened. Um, that's the result of a, an entirely different generation being active, and that's the baby boomers, of which I'm one. So the baby boomers have done lots of things. By default, they're the largest um, income, you know, income earners in Australia's history. Uh, they're also the largest acquirers of multiple assets in Australia's history. Yeah, so they've been doing stuff and it's created this whole wave of yeah, automatic capital growth. Um, but anyway, so that was childhood, went to Parramatta Morris, did all this stuff, joined the retail industry, had a lot of fun there, got bored with it, went to ANZ as a mature age trainee. So when I was 40, I joined the bank as a trainee, which is an unusual term. But what I did know was a lot about people. Um, I had people skills. I had the ability to think and, and work in the business area and transfer that into a bank. What I didn't know much was about money. So I'd uh, already bought a business and gone broke at that stage because it was based on fraudulent numbers. Didn't do my due diligence anywhere near enough, obviously, and had to start again. So by 41, I started again. Lee says that although he would have had other opportunities, he chose to work at the bank to absorb as much information about investing and finance as possible. I figured that because I'd sent myself broke and had no clue what you know, I was doing really um, in that particular uh, foray into business that I knew a lot about people. I knew a lot about business, but obviously knew nothing about money. And I figured that uh, the major bank was probably a good place to go and learn about money. And I was right. I did. So I was able to bring those skills in, take a massive pay cut um, to go and join a bank. But very rapidly, I just became a sponge for every bit of knowledge that I could get from them. Well, at ANZ, I ended up going through from being a branch manager to a business development manager in a unit called Small Business and Professional Banking that was based in the CBD of Sydney, uh, where we had to go out and find new business for the bank in that particular segment. So either new small business clients or um, professionals, you know, senior execs, etc. I was quite successful at that. I was number two in Australia. And the skill set that I actually was able to develop, that I was very cognizant of what I was doing and very aware of what I was trying to achieve, I did that without any referrals from, or very few referrals from within the bank. And they asked me one day why, and I said, because I live or die on my own efforts. And because I did that and the other guys who were doing the same role didn't, when I left, I was able to go off and, and take um, a big step and, and back myself because I had the the, con the connections and the contacts and the skill set to um, continue that. Um, whilst I was a BDM, I became the face, the unofficial face of, of the bank in the franchise sector because I'd identified that they had no presence in franchising in Australia. So I put together the policy or the, the 
I guess, the seed capital of the policy document they needed to create in order to be able to lend to the franchise sector. And I'm quite proud to say that that same policy still runs today, and that's 18 years later. So I was very successful there. I became the face of franchising uh, for them, and I was introduced to a brand new startup called Smartline, which was a finance startup. Um, our state manager at ANZ wanted to take a license over the Smartline software, and uh, he took me out to see it. And I went home that night and said to my wife, I said, honey, um, stuff ANZ, I'm going to take a franchise in this new outfit because um, I can see that's the future. I stayed with ANZ for about another eight months whilst I got the policy um, to the point where I could hand it over to somebody to take it and run with it at ANZ. And then I left and went into my, um, my Smartline franchise. It was a gradual process for Lee to begin investing in property as he was required to go through the bank's staff lending department. This proved to be a minor setback in his bid to become a property investor. I started um, in property before I got into the into the franchise. So while I was a BDM, I got into my first couple of properties. I went to the you had to get when you worked for a bank, you had to go through their staff lending, and um, the staff lending manager, in fact, declined my application to go and buy my first investment property because he said you don't earn enough. And I said, that's not my fault. That's your fault. <laughs> Blame the banks. Yeah, well, <laughs> he said, but you don't earn enough. You just simply don't earn enough to buy a property that's negatively geared. And I said, well, they are all negatively geared. And he said, well, they are. Mm. I said, so you're telling me I can't go forward because your rules say that I don't earn enough when in fact, yeah, I earn just enough to probably be able to buy one property that was negatively geared. So I'm not sure how long it took me, but it took me probably three to six months to figure out that there was another way and that if I bought properties that weren't negatively geared, I'd be able to go forward. So I ended up buying three properties on the one weekend in Brisbane, um, probably, as I said, six months after that first conversation. Um, I bought them fairly cheaply. They all to- The three of them totaled about $250,000, back then. That was 1997, I think it was. Um, and I went to the lending, the staff lending manager and said, here you go, I want to buy these three properties uh, as investments. And he looked at it and he said, you can't do that. I said, why? He said, because you can't buy properties like that. You can't, where are they? You can't find them. They're all paying for themselves. I said, that's exactly right. <laughs> On one hand, and it he, tell, tells you that you can't borrow and the next minute they're saying that you can't do it. <laughs> what is yeah. wrong with the people there? <laughs> Well, they got no clue. So um, he approved me for those three and that was the start of it. So that was against the equity. Uh, by that time, I'd also bought a, uh, the worst house in the uh, in one of the better suburbs. So in West Pennant Hills, I bought the worst house in the suburb, not the street, the whole suburb. Um, and we'd renovated that. So there was some equity that I built in there and we were able to use that as the leapfrog into the first three properties. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Kevin Lee's reasons for investing into property. Property is real. It's called real estate. So it's, it's got some value within the Australian psyche. It's also got some value in real terms. He tells us some of his worst property investing stories. Uh, by that time, I'd also bought a, uh, the worst house in, the, uh, in one of the better suburbs. So in West Pennant Hills, I bought the worst house in the suburb, not the street, the whole suburb. And that's up next. I'm Tyrone Shubb and you're listening to Property Investory.
This episode is brought to you by MeBank, a different kind of bank built and supported by industry super funds. You could be getting a better deal on your home loan by getting in touch with MeBank. They offer competitive rates and two loan types, one with a range of features including the ability to fix your rate and have multiple offset accounts and another that's nice and simple with no ongoing fees. Both loans provide the flexibility of interest only or principal and interest. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a home loan that's right for you. Stop wondering and start saving by giving MeBank a call on 131563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. Are you looking at buying property? Unsure which suburb to choose? Let me share with you an amazing tool. It's called Location Score and it's the simplest way to decide where to buy profitable property all over Australia. Created by property experts Ben Kingsley, Bryce Holloway and Jeremy Shepard. You can check it out at propertyinvestory.com forward slash location score. Also, when you buy through my affiliate link, I'll give you one month access to the Property Investory Club where you can learn from the experts and be part of a private property investing community valued at $99. Visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash location score to claim your special offer. Lee expands more about purchasing the worst house in Northwest Sydney, from a motorcycle in the lounge room to books on witchcraft in the bedroom. It was a horror. <laughs> it was just a tragic house, you know, that had been neglected for probably 10 years and tenants in there. The type of tenant was the ones who had their Harley in the lounge room and were rebuilding <laughs> with no drop sheets. So that was just straight oil and grease onto the floor, etc. There were cloaks. There was a cloak, a black cloak in the wardrobe in the main bedroom uh, with a book on, um, yeah, witchcraft. That's it. That's stuff. Um, and you know, there was some blood around and things like that. Um, there were holes in the walls. It was a, nearly a, it was a bit over a third of an acre block in Western Hills, very steep site, um, overgrown, like you couldn't see any of the boundaries on the property but i picked it up for two hundred and eight thousand dollars so because no one else would buy it i let it go to auction no one showed up i knew that they would because it was scary and then we negotiated after the auction to um to take it and again that's all i could afford you know i could afford somewhere out in further in the hills you know maybe um, kellyville at that time for two hundred thousand two hundred and ten thousand or this much bigger block and a tragic house that I could get my teeth into and renovate, um, which is what I did. It took me 18 months to renovate. I sold it uh, probably five or six years ago. So I missed this current boom, but we did pretty well out of it anyway, so I'm not complaining. Lee's decision to invest in property in opposition to other investment vehicles was based on tangibility and the ability to control how you manage it. Property is real. It's called real estate. So it's, it's got some value within the Australian psyche. It's also got some value in real terms. The worst thing that can happen to a property is it can drop in value. It rarely will drop to zero as opposed to shares that are just a piece of paper. And depending on what the managing director does with his personal assistant or executive assistant, the value of that share can drop dramatically, including to zero through no fault of yours. 
And you have no control over that. You have all the control in the world over your own property, but you have no control over the shares you own in a company. Mm. Just like how you can take a, a, a really run-down property and turn it into something that's much better and a lot more beautiful than it was before. Yeah, one of the things I do when I'm educating my clients about that type of security and why is, is this. You know, Having worked in a bank, you get to learn a lot. They take three types of uh, security when they're lending you money. And the first one is shares. Um, they'll lend you what's called um, – they'll lend you money on what's called a margin loan. You're probably familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you buy commercial property, they'll, they'll lend you money against that property. If you buy residential property, they'll lend you money against that. The margin loan is the highest interest rate out of all three. It's also got the lowest, um, um, what would you say, lowest appeal to the bank. So the maximum, if you went to any of the major four banks and said, I want to buy some of your shares on a margin loan, the maximum LVR that they'll lend you is 70%. So they'll lend between 20 and 70% depending on the, the share and what they think of that particular company. So of their own shares, they don't think enough to give you more than 70%. And the interest rate today is around the 9% mark on those. Could be a bit lower now, but I haven't looked for a long time. So 70% maximum. If you go and buy commercial property, they'll lend you 65%. That's their comfort range, but they will go up to 80% for good clients. That means good clients who have got plenty of cash flow, and plenty of other asset backing. They'll lend you 80% on the proviso that you drop that to 70% um, in the short term. So in other words, a, a fairly rapid debt reduction program as part of the plan. The interest rate on that anywhere between five and seven and a half at the moment. Residential property, they used to up until recently lend you 95% and you could get that at 3.7% interest rate. So the banks know um, their game. Their game is to make money. They're pretty good, pretty good at that in this country, Tyrone, by the way. Yeah, I um, agree. The net, net profit after tax this year was about $31 billion between just the top four. Lee's worst investing moment was paramount, holding the record for the largest mediation hearing in Queensland Supreme Court history. Yeah, I speculated on some land in North Queensland. And it was, it was, we did our research. Uh, it was a good bet. But when you do that sort of thing, when you speculate, you have no control over what could happen outside of your sphere of influence. And when you're buying vacant land off the plan, which is what we did, and um, you've got no control over weather or other global financial circumstances, you can get hammered. And we certainly got hammered. It was there was very very little vacant land. It was Early Beach um, at the time in 2003 2004. There were very few vacant blocks of land available for sale, and nothing being developed. So we were ahead of our time. The developer was a publicly listed company from WA. Um, they said they had a good track record on being able to develop and deliver. Uh, we took them at their word because they're publicly listed, didn't know enough about them to um, to question that. We bought well. We bought for 250 a block, 250 grand. These were all part acreage, so between half an acre and one and a half acres. They had spent five years fighting council through the Land and Environment um, Court up there in Queensland to get this development over the line. Uh, it was 38 acres. 
they originally went for 170 block subdivision. They, they owned 88 acres. What they got approved in court was 38 acres and 17 blocks. So the government and the council took a zero off the end and that was only on the proviso that they donated the 50 acres back to uh, State Forest. So they lost 50 acres and 153 blocks in the process. They were over it, absolutely over it. And I knew this because it's a little bit of inside knowledge. And we made them an offer, which they accepted on the spot. We then let them finish the work, um, do all the um, civil works and the infrastructure, etc. We pulled them up during construction and prior to settlement. They tried to um, answer that by saying, we'll let you out of the contract and we'll sell it. Um, you don't have to complete. We knew we'd bought well based on the price we'd negotiated you know, 18 months earlier. But uh, we, we chose to continue. Um, there were some faults. They said they'd fix them. They never did. They said, let's see what happens when it rains. We're talking about a tropical area. Um, we've just seen a cyclone go through that same town and devastate it. Um, worse than any other they've ever had, I think. Um, when it rains there, it can really rain. And in January of 2005, they got 36 inches uh, in 30 hours. That's when we found out that some of the drains that were meant to go in by the contractors and developers, they just left them out because it was a bit too expensive. And they'd put other ones in different locations because it was cheaper to do that. And they took a few other shortcuts. So the short story is the roads and uh, hillside moved away from each other. So the road separated from the hill. The retaining walls that they put in didn't uh, work because the drains didn't work. Now, we, we'd sold two blocks during this period. Um, we, as I said, we bought for two fifty thousand a block. We bought uh, how many? Twelve of the seventeen blocks in the estate because they'd sold the other five to people overseas, and we had sold one for five hundred thousand, which was double, and the other one for six hundred and twenty-five thousand. And then I was chairman of the, the whole thing that was running the estate. I had to close the whole estate down because it was too dangerous for people to go on. Wow. So you, we had you, then, you, had quite a, you had quite a lot of investor interest in this one, especially that many blocks. Definitely, definitely did. I had investors in this with me, so we formed a syndicate, unit trust, et cetera. So it was, a, yeah, at the beginning and up until this weather event, it was a good deal. And we'd sold two and we'd proved the concept that we'd done well and there was no other land available. These um, developers took... 18 months of our life while they fluffed around and uh, misled us uh, by saying that they were, they were on it. They had their engineers, they had their engineers' reports and more people were doing this and checking and checking and checking and then I got a letter from their lawyers, Minter Allison, to say, bad luck, you're on your own. Um, our developers, our, our clients got no responsibility. See ya. So we now hold the record for the largest mediation hearing in Supreme Court history in Queensland. In this situation... Lee says that he has learned from his property investing tragedy, regretting that he speculated on so many blocks of land. We've tried to sell blocks at a reasonable price. And, you know, the other problem is that during the last 10 years, there's been other um, estates be um, developed and opened up and sold. And we couldn't whilst we were going through all the dramas. And then we had to rebuild the entire estate. 
So we got enough money out of the mediation hearing, so it was a multi-million dollar settlement, um, to strip the entire estate back to ground zero and start again. But that was another 18 months, two years of work. Probably if I had have learned that speculation and gambling are the same thing, just spelled differently, if I had to learn that before we went down that path, we wouldn't have taken every available block. We wouldn't have um, speculated. The moment everything shifted for Lee was when he realized the ability to make intelligent and informed decisions about where he should be purchasing property. I bought two studio units in a little suburb called New Farm, which is the same as our Balmain. A very uh, inner city suburb, um, same peninsula as Belmain is. It's got everything, same same demographic, the lot. And I bought those so cheaply that I was very um, um, congratulatory to myself. Uh, and I was more impressed with the fact that they were giving me about a, a 10% gross annual rental yield from day one, which was unheard of. Even the guy in the bank didn't know you could do such a thing. Yeah, well, that is... And on the back of those two, I bought a three-bedroom house uh, in a very far western Brisbane suburb. It was actually northwest, but it was more like our Mount Druid here in Sydney. Um, I bought a three-bedroom house on a block of land for 40 grand. Wow. Which was rented for 120 a week. Yeah, that's easily positive cash flow there. (laughs) 15% from day one. Yeah. Now, the only silly things I've ever done are sold that house um, probably seven, ten years ago. But it wasn't silly what we did with it. It was just silly that we sold it, I guess. Mm. Um, but we sold it in one day for $210,000. Despite all of Lee's struggles with property investment woes in the past, now he's excited about the opportunities for his clients that he gets to see through his business at Smart Property Advisor. I still see thousands of opportunities every day. I think people have got to start to look at why they would like to invest in property. And I think if they're chasing capital growth because their ego and greed's got them and they think they're going to be a hero when they sell, etc., etc., they need to rethink that about what's, what's coming down the track as far as how are they going to survive when they you know, finish their working life, if they go into retirement mode, etc., etc. They need income. And I think if they're going to speculate on capital growth only as being the driver, they might get a you know, very, very serious wake-up call when it doesn't go right or it doesn't go as well, well as they would expect. Because there are so many variables, there's so many things, so many risk factors that you've got no control over as an individual. Most people don't understand that we, we had interest rates at 17 and 18%, not that long ago, you know, back in, I'd say, 20 years ago, maybe but the average home loan in Sydney then was 100 grand. The average home loan now in Sydney is over $700,000. That's right. Now, I can tell you now that 7% as a loan as, as a home loan rate, 7% is the tipping point where most people in this city will lose their homes. That's a very low number. Inspired by Kevin Lee's property investing journey, We'll continue the conversation going in a future podcast episode on property investry. We'll talk about how to apply the strategy. Well, I needed, I, I figured out that I needed to buy properties that would pay for themselves and I might have to cover some council and water and strata levies and all that sort of stuff on the way through. Discover Lee's success habits for property investing. Yeah, you know, that's really the difference between 
real success or um, pretense is it's, if it doesn't get you out of bed and doesn't drive you every day, then it's not real. And that's next time on a future episode of Property Investory. Also, are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to get your copy right now. Thanks for listening. If you love the show and you're ready to get serious about saving on your home loan, give MeBank a call. MeBank is the bank built by industry super funds, famous for their competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find the loan that's right for you. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. 